0: It's
1: uh,
2: Saturday morning.
1: This is different. Hello, Fun everyone. It's
0: Saturday morning. Everybody's uh,
1: fresh, ready to go. Had their cup of coffee. No, I'm drinking
0: coffee right now. True story. Me too. Eric's probably really? not. He doesn't seem like a coffee drinker. I've got orange juice, guys.
2: That's that's a fair replacement. Get your vitamin C. Get your vitamin goo. Uh, we didn't have a Friday episode because <laughs> we said, let's not make one. Let's save it till Saturday because it's time to cover the last chapter of A Clash of Kings. This is a very... Very monumentous and important moment because we are finally finishing uh, this book we've been working on since the end of season three with all of you guys. And uh, I'm just really excited to know that we've done two books now after today. Wow.
0: It's unbelievable. You know, I, I cannot believe it. But what's quite fitting is that I think believe you just it, combined. Eric. Believe it. You just Be- combined believe two words yourself. there, Zach. I think you combined, you combined monumental and momentous. You like that with, with monumentous, and I was like, "Man, that's a great word for today."
2: Someone said something before we recorded. It was one of you two. This is something about just being fresh
1: and ready to go. I think that, that was, was you, Micah. Well, yeah. see, here's the thing, and and we're not uh, we're not giving away any trade secrets here. But normally, when we do record, if it's not on a Sunday, it's it's during the week, and and it's after. Um, several hours of work and commuting at least on my end so i was just remarking <laughs> how how much better it feels like doing a saturday morning podcast like you're just fresh you're ready to go maybe i'll say a few smart things uh you know on, on this show as opposed well, I'm to i'm counting others.
0: micah so you better... i hope no, i but, do too uh,
1: <laughs> you know i really have good hopes for the rest of this
2: podcast episode today
0: <laughs> yeah for all of us you know who doesn't have to commute every day who's Horror. that Bran Stark. Oh, Brandon. Bran. Bran. Young little Bran, who has been in the same place for, is it months, do we think? It's weeks, at the very least. Weeks. He's been down in this dark place where you can't even see your hand in front of your face. But he's alive. He's alive.
2: I was just thinking about how... This is not a very good situation. It's not optimal. You know, they've been down bored probably, You know they were saying that sometimes a fire is lit and they'll talk some, but for the most part they've been sleeping because there's no real disruption between day and night, which I kind of think is a, a funny sort of look forward to what maybe people would feel like during the long winter and during the long night. Right. Quite possibly. I'm, I'm not sure if it's meant to really be a litmus of that kind of situation, but that's what they're living in now. But all I can think about is how much better that is than what it would be like dealing with the people that were inside of Winterfell, you know, of dying or going through those terrible things. Like, what a good trade-off, because now they can leave or at least try to leave and, you know, still have some time bought.
1: Yeah, it it definitely begs the question, would Bran and, Rick and- killed I think probably not but everybody else who's part of their party that's hanging out in the crypts underneath uh, would definitely be uh, Hodor uh, Osha and then Jojen and Mira maybe that those are, are questionable uh, to have been killed but certainly a good portion of their group if they would have stayed on the surface would have definitely uh, you know been killed either by Theon or uh, by uh ramsey Bolton.
0: well that's that's the real terror is that had they stayed above ground forget whether or not theon would have killed them but the you know ramsey would have had them to deal with or would have been able to he, he what the hell is beeping i heard that. i don't know yeah. something be is careful <laughs> yeah
2: landmine is it an oven let me just say, I don't, <laughs> no i
0: what are we playing 20 questions with what is the beeping i don't know what the source is, is. is i can still going? That. No, it's done. Let me okay. uh, let me redo that. Uh, no, balls. no, that
1: was great. That that's that's the kind of content we want.
0: That's the real terrifying thing is that forget what Theon would do, but uh, Ramsay Bolton would have them by now. And uh, who the heck knows what side he's on? So people, he's on his own side. Yeah. Our listeners keep insisting that he has nothing to do with uh, the greater Bolton. Mm-hmm. So
1: he's on the side of chaos. Isn't there isn't there one point in the chapter when I forget who mentions it but they're talking about just how they don't know who to trust anymore neighbor fighting neighbor uh, I think was a line that was used
0: mm, yeah it's uh what what black gray chaos mad chaos I think uh Bran said what madness is this it's because Asha points out they end up escaping from the crypt in this chapter they they've been hiding there and now that winterfell is burned uh let's say to the ground because a lot of the stone is still there they go out and they're able to basically see that not only are their good winterfell people dead but uh theon's men as well um and a fair bit of ironclad not that there were a lot of them i think what there were only like 10 or 16 or something uh, iron men, but they uh, there are corpses there with arrows in them and so Bran wants to blame uh, Theon for all of this and, and I think that that is accurate uh, but Asha points out well no some of his men got it too so whoever did this is somebody else and they know just based on the signs I, I don't know if a guy is flayed but they see it was the one, sigil yeah, they saw it, it was the sigil so yeah. one of the men of the dreadfort is dead and, and you really don't know who you can trust.
1: Right but the ultimately prince. you can't blame uh, Theon for all of this because had he not sacked Winterfell in the first place there would be no bastard of Bolton who came knocking on Winterfell's door.
2: Yeah, certainly for this... great sp- rock song.
0: Knock,
2: <laughs> knock, knock it out. Sorry,
0: go all on. I, all I can think of is uh, Paul McCartney. Somebody's knocking on the door. There, yeah, you can mix the two <laughs> yeah. things together. Open the door, <laughs> let him in. But, you know, not to jump to the end of the chapter, but regarding the idea that you can't trust every any, anyone, my, uh, Meister Lewin bless his recently departed soul, is able to shed even more light and says, no, you can't go east. None of these people are cool anymore. They are fighting each other. They're all brother against brother. So I guess it was a quote from Meister Lewin, actually. Um, But he instigates a plan that very interestingly um, is executed at the end of the third season of the TV show. Um, But it's at the end of the second book. Where Bran and Rickon are separated.
2: It's a very tactical plan. You know, there wasn't much room for mourning. There wasn't much room for being sad. You know, he was still at the heart tree. This is still a very... Dramatic moment, much like it was in the show. I think in the show, the dramatics were elevated to uh, a much higher level here than in the books because we've, we're faced with the brutal realism of the burning city, for one, of all yeah. of the devastation. We're we're faced with the brutal realism of losing this place. So when we see Maester Lewin in the Godswood underneath the heart tree, he's belly down near the pool, and he's flipped over, and it's sad, and Hodor is saying, Hodor, sadly— <laughs> and it's 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 a moment of uh, it's a moment of sadness. I know I keep saying that word, but but what I mean to say is it's not accompanied by strings, as in the show. Like mm, 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 you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not set up for us. Like it it's is a much lonelier death. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's it's much more real. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Like Lewin's basically like I'm dying, woman. He says that to uh, Osha yeah. because she she says that they should build him a litter and carry him around like he was Daenerys Stormborn, which makes sense because. <laughs> Because <laughs> if they could save him, they should. Because there's no reason to count him out yet. He's survived that long. I think there might have still been a chance. But uh, to Bran's point, he brings up in the chapter, you know, when we get sick or when our family gets sick, we we go to the maester. But, you know, who who does the maester go to when he gets sick? <laughs> OSHA's
1: one-stop shop for everything death. And then she takes care of business. It's, it's such a... Um... I I took a quick peek at some of the tweets that we got and I noticed that somebody said, we'll read them a little bit later on, that, you know, that moment in the show was one that, uh, aside from the Red Wedding, that they teared up at. And, you know, I think I even mentioned on the show, uh, or I should say the podcast, uh, when we were going through that episode that, you know, I – got a little you know choked up a little bit myself. Uh, yeah, I
2: remember you mentioned that. We made fun of you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, because he's just one of those characters that's such such a pillar of of Winterfell and and of the Stark family and you know, it's just another really member of the foundation of what the Starks have grown up with that they now lose. I mean, they lost their father, they lose Roderick, uh you know, they lose several other men down in King's Landing. Uh, And now they're losing Maester Lewin. And so all of those people who have been so important to them, especially for young characters like Bran and Rickon. And now they're off on their own um, traveling and and going who knows where. Um, And and this is such a a, a stark difference from the show. and And you guys mentioned it earlier where they part at the end of season three. And here we are at the end of A Clash of Kings, and they're going their separate ways as they leave Winterfell. You know, Rickon going, uh, with Osha, and then, uh, Mira, Jojen, and Hodor going with Bran. So, uh, it, now we're, we're at a place where the, the heirs to Winterfell are, you know, moving about Westeros, and with Bran, obviously, we know where he's going, uh, but with Rickon, who knows
2: that was my point with the uh, with the reality of the scene though mike and i think it makes a lot of sense because you know in in the show like i said it was sad and string accompanied and and we kind of had to feel out the story i don't think it would have made a lot of sense in the context that they were that they were painting that scene um that may, Lewin would just get down to business so quickly but here in the book right you know immediately their minds were to okay at the end of the day, all of this stuff is happening, but we need to protect the Stark bloodline, and we most importantly need to protect these boys. So split up. If something bad, the heart tree forbid that bad thing happen, <laughs> they'll be split up.
0: The very interesting thing about it is that Meister Lewin's exact words are Rob's heirs. No two in the same place. Rob's heirs. He's not saying Ned's heirs, he says Rob's heirs. So that's like if. If something should happen to Rob, then somehow the bloodline is going to his brothers. But is that because they're Ned's sons, or because they were Rob's youngest brothers? Like I don't. There's
1: no son of Rob right now to who would, by succession, take over, right? Mm-hmm. Because Rob is the oldest son, so any son that he had would take over Winterfell before Bran or Rickon. But since that's not the case, oh. Brand would be the next in line.
0: Well, there's still Ned's heirs, but I guess Maester Luwin wasn't thinking clearly due to a gaping wound in his side.
2: On a more technical level, you're right because they're they're not technically Rob's heirs, but on uh, a sense of the the royalty and who's leading Winterfell. You know, as when Rob left, Brand took over. You know, so so right. Rob's heirs to the kingdom and to command, rather than like in a literal uh, DNA sense.
0: It was, it was really cool tactic how in the TV show they delayed pretty much everything about Bran's green sight. I mean, not, ex- not exactly because the Three-Eyed Raven was like in the second episode, but, you know, in terms of actually explaining it. And with the reads, they weren't even introduced until season three. So they managed to expand the Bran and Rickon storyline through all of season three. And, you know, because they didn't part words until the very end of that tearful... Uh, windmill scene or wherever they were, really kind of gave an extra season to have these uh, revelations about the green site and about foreshadowing, about warging, all that stuff that really in the book comes at you pretty quickly.
2: How do you think it it feels versus the book? Because I think now that we've sort of gotten further along into the development of the book storyline with Jojen Amira, because it's something you guys always wrote into us and, and, and mentioned, and we, we've always sort of known just by talking about it internally, that it's much different than in the show. Obviously, Jojen and Amira meet Bran much earlier, and like I said, we're, we're a good chunk into that. Like how I kind of feel like there's enough happening in Bran's storyline where it was okay to sort of stretch it out and to move it in there because just the stuff going on in Winterfell is drama enough, you know, without all of the, the stuff with his borging happening so early on as well.
0: It's weird as hell, and please quote me on that in the future, how... This chapter in particular, being the summing up chapter of the book, how much George wanted to clearly show us that Bran is now an expert warger. There's a line in here when he comes awake from the dream that he's having, where it says he closed his third eye and opened his other two. (laughs) It's just very matter of fact. It's like, poof, poof, he can do it now. And it even says that the darkness helped Bran to really move and be able to, to warg instantly into his wolf, because his wolf, of course, is above ground, and that's where all the excitement really lays and stuff. But 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 Bran now, we're, we're meant to understand that he's really friggin' good at warging. In fact, he's become almost addicted to it. They do mention, the reeds mentioned that they, he was out of it for three days as the chapter began, and they've had to feed him uh and and you know, water his human body because he's he's not taking care of it.
2: Did you eat Bran? He's got a whole some horse. Wheaties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you didn't eat your wolf ate, but I kind of feel like maybe it's a placebo hunger effect. Like he's just, you know, getting nutrients off of those reserves while his horse, while his uh wolf could see all that delicious food.
0: I just think of like the Matrix where well, I, I guess in the Matrix you would get a placebo, wouldn't you? Or you would maybe the machines are taking care of you.
1: I just think it's a really great piece of writing, just how the chapter opens and the fact that you're seeing everything now through Summer's eyes and that you're able to witness what, you know, this direwolf is really seeing, tasting, smelling. And, uh, you know, that then as you guys, you know, we're talking about Bran wakes up and the difference from the show is that, you know, Maester Lewin sees Osha you know, running at a different Times uh I think there was maybe like one or two you know she's going into the kitchens and taking food and bringing oh. it back down, but you know we don't really know if she's been doing that at all for for all we know, they've been locked down there since day one, um and you know who knows when this boulder or a piece of stone has fallen on top of this door uh, we would assume probably within the last few days, but you know, we really don't know how they've been sustaining. You know, Brand mentions at one point how they stink um, because they haven't showered or done anything. I don't really know that the reeds uh, ever really shower, but uh,
0: <laughs> surely swamp kids. <laughs> but
1: you get a sense of you know the real dire straits that they've been in and what they've had to do in order to stay alive. And I just thought a lot of the history that you got. Um, You know, as they were walking out of the crypts and, and they were passing all of these Starks that have served some good, some not so good. Uh, But the fact that, you know, Osha and Bran and, and Mira were arming themselves with swords of those who had previously passed. Yeah, you know, it was such a rite of passage in a way. I get
0: it. Right. Equipping yourself. It's a dangerous world out there. But aren't those uh, swords supposed to keep the dead dead? <laughs> <laughs> at at peaceful rest you know i mean i'm not saying it wouldn't be cool to have an army of undead or reliving starks fight uh, for me <laughs> come, come after cool. them but i think it would be like the um uh oh, what are the words for the the ringwraiths uh original the nazgul nazgul uh don't they i mean they just want one thing and in this case it would be their swords back so <laughs> i i i don't know how smart that is but really the coolest thing is that where they chose to set up their little camp and all their reserves was inside the, or right around the unused tomb for Ned. Um, and Ned Stark's likeness, uh, is there and looks sad as they're leaving. Um, but that's kind of where they set up And I don't know if any of them really slept in the space where the body's supposed to go, but they could have. And this is kind of, that's the area specifically in the crypts where they were hiding, which I thought was very cool.
2: I felt the future of 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 Bran in the moment when they were walking through, and he was recounting the kings of old. Not just the the lords of of the north, you know, the lowly lords. It said something along the lines of that. But these were the true kings in the north. You know, these <laughs> legendary men. And I was thinking about how he was saying, "One day he knows." This is where he's going to belong. And I was just you're right, it was like a rite of passage. It was almost inspirational in a way where they're taking these swords and they're they're doing what's necessary. Like of course they didn't want to rob the graves in a sense, but you know, this is a dangerous moment for the they've been hiding in a crypt for for the love of God, you know what I mean? Like they're they're doing what yeah. they can to survive. So they took the weapons that they had to take or whatever. But uh, I was just thinking about sort of life and where Bran is in in his part of life and how he's young but still building his story. You know, with his injuries and uh, with the messed up situation and with what his family's dealing with, his group of people now, you know, what they're choosing to do, and what a ragtag crew it is. His crazy little brother, Hodor, that's all you have to say because this is one of the greatest Hodor chapters, probably the best so far. Can we agree? I would agree. I would agree. Just him, lots of really great uh, writing, and George really taking advantage of the writing medium and using just enough scant comedy with Hodor, you know, and and really <laughs> dramatic moments. Just even with Maester Lewin, just just the bold by like, Hodor's and shit like that. Like he he did a really good job of of uh, mixing the 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 comedy with the, the dramatics in this chapter, and it was just brilliantly done.
0: Here's a good example of that, um, and it is it does lead into what I think is the best Hodor moment. Uh, it says, And in the mouth of the empty tomb that waited for Lord Eddard Stark, beneath his stately granite likeness, the six fugitives huddled around their little cache of bread and water and dried meat. Little enough left, Asha muttered as she blinked down to their on their stores. I'd need to go up soon to steal food in any case, or we'd be down to eating Hodor. <laughs> Hodor, Hodor said, grinning at her. That's him like saying... Try it, bitch. <laughs> it totally. <is. laughs> yeah, they lucky for them. Uh, this
2: friend of theirs, like I said, this ragtag crew of people. What a, what a match, uh, building their futures together. And who knows where their story and destinies take them. Uh, just so happened, Hodor just so happened to be there, and and just so happened to be. Burly enough to take care of the tomb door and what was blocking it, which appears to be a large mass of stone, a boulder. Let's just agree that it was very heavy, whatever it was.
0: It was very Christian as well. It's very Easter-like, you know, the resurrection coming out of the tomb, moving the boulder. I feel like
2: that's maybe level nine reading into it just a little bit. But at, oh, the, same okay. ti- at the same time, you never know. You know what I mean? Like the the symbolism is there and it could be anything. But at the end of the day, it could just be a boulder. But that's up for the reader to decide.
0: Yeah. I just think Bran has uh, grown and is now transubstantial. He's able to be like uh, – he wargs like in a heartbeat. He's just like – they're like, is it is it light outside? What time of day is it? And he's like, hang on. Let me check my third eye. He blinks. And he's like, yep, totally light out. It's, it's, it's day right now. Um, that would creep me out. But again about his power. Like it even says that he went to Ghost – and had a conversation with John, who also in this book we learned can warg. This particular storyline regarding the warging is so far ahead of where the show is. It's, it's, if John and Bran are communicating, that's something completely different. Um, right. a- although that particular quote, it said Bran thought it could have been a dream.
1: Well, it wasn't. So, it uh, wasn't. Be- oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, no, I mean, look, we, we know from the previous or, several chapters ago with John that he he mentions thinking he saw Bran. So mm-hmm. clearly there's a strong connection going on here between all of them uh, that have direwolves. So uh, I don't think that saying that it was real is a is a stretch. Um, no. Yeah, I wasn't on that episode. So when I think about
2: John and <laughs> Bran, I'm just like, oh, damn, I haven't got to talk about that yet. And I'm not going to. There's more to come. I'm just saying, like, not to stray off the point, uh, that is crazy that
1: it is. he even thought it about is. it again and so uh, we we were touching on this a little bit before the show and I wanted to get your thoughts on it which uh, we had the first book that ended with Daenerys and now we have the second book which has ended with Bran.
0: Bran is the new Danny <laughs> Branny he, may, he very <laughs> Branny uh, yes
1: he may very well be but here's my question is how do you think they compare, you know, the this the second season ended with Sam and the White Walkers, uh, which we did not see, um, you know, in this book. But I'm curious as to what you all think uh, with how this book has come to a close now with Bran venturing out. And, you know, he makes that note. At, Winterfell is not really dead. It's just broken, which is kind of like him, which I thought was really cool.
0: Well, just in terms of the title, A Clash of Kings, we did in this book see kings clash. And the fact that this um, Winterfell being burned or they're going through the rubble, the smoky rubble, there's charred man flesh all around them, really shows the consequences of such clashing uh, of kings. Of course, Theon wasn't a king. And the Bastard of Bolden isn't a king. So there's fighting going on that's extra uh, kinglier. Um, but, you know, Renly's dead. Renly and Stannis clashed. Stannis and uh, the Lannisters clashed. Luckily, both survived. Um, so I think that really it's just about kind of transitioning, that that things are still going on in the background. Because if you think of what a revelation the dragons coming back into the world were at the end of book one. And that's what made the ending of book one. So cool. Now you get a a very muted kind of walking through the rubble of what these men have caused second uh, ending to a book in the series. But at the same time, Bran is now fluent in warging and you just kind of, you're like, where the hell is this going? But it it all points to a magical world that people aren't quite prepared for on mass
2: on mass. And I thought about magic so much at the beginning of this chapter looking just, you know, you think maybe he's just working into a wolf who's upstairs in Winterfell because, you know, that they're downstairs in the crypts, as it were. But no, he looks up into the sky and sees a giant winged snake. And I love that description of a dragon because you could just say it's it's a dragon and by the proper noun and and growing up in the world we we have grown up in we all know we got an idea of what it looks like is it a worm uh much like (laughs) smaug is it long and skinny we really don't know there's different kinds of dragons but in this description he looks up and sees a giant winged snake blowing out a river of fire a
0: river in the air of fire that's definitely precognitive and did you guys catch that um I guess it's different, Mikey, you mentioned how in the show he sees Asha, or whatever her name is. Uh, He sees Tonks going and grabbing some food, um, you know, in the show. But in the book, he actually says when Bran comes to him, he says he knows he's not dreaming. I expected a moment where Lewin's like, oh, I'm near death. Of course I would see the boys I cared for. Um, But no, he's totally, like, sober. And he's just like, ah, I knew you guys were still alive because the boys that Theon picked slash cooked uh had stronger leg muscles or legs that appeared to have worked uh up until the moment of their death so he knew but still pretended not to know that bran was alive which is actually great relief because we see this character and this is why lewin's death is so sympathetic i think we've seen the torture that he's had to endure believing that these boys were killed uh you know having to still try and mentor theon after theon went off the rails um, and attacked Winterfell and all this stuff is like you really were shooting for this guy and he went through a lot. It's like playing with your food before you eat it. Like now he succumbs to his wounds but it's sad that he wasn't Yeah, but it's the death he chose ultimately. He's like, I'm older than you Bran, I can die as I like. And it's just it is a heroic death in a way um, which I think has to get my own for the chapter. Wow.
1: Uh, wow. Yeah and and I think that <laughs> the show it was a bit different. You didn't get to see the attack of Ramsay's men. You didn't get to see necessarily as much of the aftermath, um, sort of the complete and utter destruction. Uh, you know, there's that scene with Hodor taking Bran in a wheelbarrow and, and seeing Winterfell in the background, you know, completely, uh, destroyed and, and on fire. And, and you're left to wonder Theon's fate as well. I mean, we, we don't see him necessarily, uh, you know, in this, field of bodies that the uh the ragtag crew come across but who knows uh what his fate is obviously we do because of the show but we're getting into a territory now especially as we head into a storm of swords where there are going to be things that we're going to know because we're reading uh as opposed to what's been put on television and i think that that uh makes it exciting it it's you know it's scary in a way i'm sure for you guys because you're not sure what you're going to find with each turn of the page, but that's why I enjoy so much going through these books with both of you, because the realization and the information that you get from reading a book is so much different than what you'll get from watching a TV show, and and that's not any fault of the people who make the TV show. There's just only so much that you can put in there, and you got to change things because it makes them work um, you know, for a viewing audience, but... Um, I'm really excited about wrapping up this book and and heading into a storm of swords and you know much like how the the book opened when we were you know uh, even at the close of a game of thrones you know we're introduced in magic coming back into the world and in the in the opening of a clash of kings we get uh, Melisandre uh, who is clearly up to no good and we see a lot of her and the red god throughout the course of this book and then really though uh for Bran in this last chapter, it it's it's an awakening of sorts. You know, the fact that, you know, Eric, you mentioned it a couple of times that he can really warg on a dime. You know, magic has really right. resurfaced throughout the course of this book. It's kind of an underlying theme. It's not just the battle or or the clash of all these kings, it's that there's another force that's being introduced and it's going to play a major, major role. Uh, moving forward
0: well I hope so because then that means that characters like Bran and Jon Snow will play a major major role going forward
1: should they survive yes
0: well otherwise they have to introduce other warging characters (laughs) it's been a very Lannister
2: driven kind of story so far at least Mm -hmm. where the show is concerned and and that's where a lot of the uh the action is you know a lot of this stuff hasn't quite panned out yet and they chose to slow some things down because I think that a slow burn is a good payoff Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. And uh, so, Eric, you gave your own. Zach, what about you? Uh, This is a tough call because in in this chapter, we got to see, like I said, uh, some really incredible Hodor moments. And uh, I think it's just something we're not used to seeing because I think in the show, if you're unsullied, uh, you're kind of supposed to think this person's funny and that it's a fan favorite and you don't really know why. Uh, other than the fact that this guy just says Hodor and it's just a character that just says Hodor and that's fine but uh, I think this chapter did a really good job of like showing me what those people that were already four books in, five books in were so excited about when the first season came out and they got to see this character on screen there was a just huge dialogue moment where he's just yelling Hodor and there's different variations of caps and uncaps and exclamation marks, (laughs) you know what I mean? You just gotta read the chapter yourself, it's hard to describe something like that and if we were to read that out loud it would be the most ridiculous thing we Recorded at hundred and ninety something episodes, so uh we'll spare you from that, but he doesn't get my own uh that was really great, and he lifted the door uh but you're strong, that's what you do that's you know, wow, okay, let's not be okay. impressed, all right, I think I'm gonna have to give my own to maester Lewin, I'm going to give my own to maester lewin he he made the the strong decision at the very end. I think that he previously would have said brandon not going anywhere, um, just like he kind of was always never really in. Uh, a big fan of his skills and what he was doing at night, nor his new friends, nor his ideas of what was going to come in the future. But now that he is on his back, on his stomach, mortally wounded, now that he's seen the destruction of Winterfell by people that he thought was their friends or at least allies in some sort, um, we're seeing Maester Lewin treat Bran and the rest of them like sort of equal people that he's not counseling and trying to give the best advice to. But at the same time, he is, and he's pushing them in the right direction, not the safe direction. So I think for that, he's even more wise in his last moments than he was during the moments we got to sort of read him through in the story. So he gets my own for propelling the storyline of multiple characters forward single-handedly.
0: I I would agree with that. And, you know, really, I was thinking we were were being so sympathetic to him. He didn't even believe that Bran could really... War. He doesn't believe in warden He doesn't believe in the green sight. Um, You know, his whole life, he doesn't do it. And I really thought, what if, you know, Bran at this moment, sort of the last thing Meister Lewin sees, Bran's like, here, you know, Papa, see me do this. And he had he like wargs into his wolf and like does a flip or a trick or something. <laughs> And comes back out. Wouldn't you – wouldn't think natural boy instinct be like, I want to show this guy that I was right all along? But I guess the mood is – it's just too somber. But seeing as how easily Bran could do it, I think that's a missed opportunity uh, to to just show Meister Lewin that, hey, before you die, this world is expanding. Look what I can do. Like this kind of stuff is here. And just to see what Meister Lewin, who knows all of old man's stories, would would, – as a man of science, would, would say about that. You know, it would be a nice show to put on for him before he died. But still, um, I think both of us, the fact that Zach and I both gave our own to Meister Lewin shows that he just was that character. He was that pillar.
1: Yeah, I will uh, then not give my own to <laughs> to Maester Lewin. Better uh, not give it to Bran. <laughs> <laughs> See what you got. Uh, th- even on. though Bran, uh, you know, I will say the fact, I-, I don't know if he came up with the plan or if it was really OSHA's to. You know, circle back and go down to the crypts and, uh, he mentions it to Maester Lewin at one point and the fact that he sent Summer and Shaggy Dog off to, you know, kind of lead them on a false trail. I thought that was a pretty good, uh, Brilliant. tactic on his part. Uh, because remember who he's working with here. You know, Rickon's not going to come up with that stuff. Hodor doesn't say anything other than Hodor. So, uh, you know, it was probably a plan that was crafted between himself, Osha, and then the Reeds. So, I'm gonna give my own to Winterfell. How about that? Go on with this. Sir. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read what's the uh, the final couple sentences. It includes Bran, but then oh, again, it's dude. from his yeah. perspective. <laughs> it's from his perspective. I don't. I don't go that route um, that Eric likes to go sometimes. Well, all the time, which is not giving it to the point of view character. But mm-hmm. um, in a way, this is Winterfell's. It says beyond the tops of the keeps and towers, still stood as they had for hundreds of years, and it was hard to tell that the castle had been sacked and burned at all. The stone is strong, Bran told himself. The roots of the trees go deep, and under the ground the kings of winter sit their thrones. So long as those remained, Winterfell remained. It was not dead, just broken. Like me, he thought. I'm not dead either. And, I
2: mean, that, that speaks volumes to the tenor of the end of the book, and it leads us into our next And The Wait. Uh, is not as uh, it's not as unbearable as what most of you had to go through. Where some of you had to go through.
1: Those are our owns, um, and there there were quite a few to be chosen from. Uh, you could have given it to Summer for backing down Shaggy Dog and getting his eat on, mm-hmm. right? So uh, <laughs> that was a good scene. Yeah, it was. It was actually pretty funny. Um, but I know we have a bunch of owns that were sent in. Eric has uh, been monitoring the twitter verse and facebook uh verse i don't know <laughs> facebook
2: verse yeah it's <So. laughs> the worst thing but it works
0: yes well you know first we, we got an own we asked for owns obviously for this chapter but uh, the first one that came in was from aaron hutchinson who says can my own go to game of owns for completing the book well done guys and can't wait for you to start reading storm of swords I'll take it, own sure. Yeah, we'll take we'll take we'll take that. Why not? And you know, Jack McGraw had a similar idea. He said, "I'll give my final book own." Uh, oh, final book own. Okay, we're not going to do that this episode. But uh, Jack McGraw says, "I'll give my book on to." You've Zach, already said his name, so you have to Zach yeah. and Eric for resisting the urge to jump ahead and start Storm of Swords already. ASOS. And having said that, uh, go ahead and get to it. I've got owns lined up for days on my new Audible audiobook version of A Storm of Swords. <laughs> Uh, the like bookmark feature is choice. So somebody who's been using Audible,
2: Jack, do you work at Audible? You trying to give us a hint? <laughs> I don't know.
0: But uh, Moira, uh, Moira Sean. Finnegan, Micah uh, agrees with you uh, and gives her own much the same. She says the whole last paragraph owned the Starks might appear to be defeated, but this is a reminder that they still have a fighting chance. Okay, what do you think about that, Micah?
1: I mean, I I think it was more just the the fact that brand was able to take a look at winterfell and see that it was not completely destroyed it was just broken similar to how he is from a physical standpoint and you know it was it was building strength for him as he was moving on you know and, and said you know as as he he even tells his father as he's leaving that it's time for him to go and where that's going to lead him, we don't know, but we know that this character is extremely important to the series. And I think Maester Lewin, despite his um, scientific background, knows how important Bran is, not just from an air standpoint, but I think he knows that there's something very special about Bran. And, and even though he may not want to admit to his ability to warg, you know, he knows Bran. You know, and and just like he knew it wasn't him that was hanging um, when Theon returned from the hunt, uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he knew that there was more to Bran than met the eye or, you know, that there was some truth to the stories, these dreams that he was having.
0: You know, there's something to that because when Bran is leaving towards the very end of the chapter, he sees the gargoyles uh, that are smashed to bits uh, exactly where he fell and he wonders, man, how am I still even (laughs) alive? Um, he's like, damn, that was, he, that's some shit. Look at them; they're busted dude, into pieces. Just, yeah, <laughs> he's like, it's a miracle. I just lost my legs. You know, it's like it's
1: your weight, buddy. That's right. So, and at least in the show, you it looks like you landed on some soft grass,
0: <laughs> <laughs> very green. Soft it had grass. rained the day before; it was kind of muddy. so... Kentucky bluegrass, just right oh, on gosh. set. <laughs> <laughs> Sod. Um, <laughs> back to listener owns. Sure. Uh, Jen Jen Wyman says. My own goes to Hodor for opening the crypt door, despite all the stone on top of it. Without Hodor, the others would not have gotten out. Do you mean like the others' others, or just the others? (laughs) Is this some kind of weird thing? (laughs) There's some reference to the others in this chapter. Did you guys catch that? It was something about wolves. It was uh, not all wolves uh, have four legs or something. They were like, we got to get out of here for the other wolves. And Asha was like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: I thought they were just referring to human beings. Like people, yeah. Yeah, people. Dude, oh, Eric, okay. let me just say,
2: if you're if if you were suggesting that some others would be like, well, Winterfell's down, we might as well go
0: down there and see who's there, that would be scary. <laughs> well, yeah, it's scary. That's the whole point. Um, for I think I was day. it was harking back more to a uh, a quote in the beginning of the chapter when Bran's still a wolf, and it says that there's no beast as loud as man, and I just thought, well, fuck, for anybody, <laughs> like if man is ever hunted by anything. Anything, just throwing that out there. If something's out there hunting man, man is fucked because they're loud. And so when I when he said wolves, I was like, they mean others.
2: Keep dreaming, Eric. Keep dreaming.
0: But, Micah, you mentioned this comment from Karen Smith. When Meister Lewin died was the only time I have cried at the TV series apart from The Red Wedding. Yeah. And actually we said that was all on Twitter, but that was all on Facebook. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry, all everybody sprawled upon our wall. Social media world. Those were all of our Facebook birds responses and to this walls. chapter. Now we go over to Twitter. <laughs> it's all the same thing. I mean, let's be honest here. I know, I know, I know. It's listener submitted owns. Here we go. Part two. Jill G., whose uh twitter is gothyj on twitter. My own for the last chapter goes to Brand for not being dead. I really thought he was killed when I read the first book when I first read the book. Or first read the book, sorry. <laughs> Little uh what's that? Yeah, called? that's
1: that's important though too. I mean, this is the first time we're hearing from Brand since um you know the the chapter where he's hunted down by Theon. So, you know, it's it's important uh for readers to have gotten to this point because i remember when i was reading the book for the first time i think i've mentioned this before like i flipped ahead like i don't know like what happened <laughs> to you brand you like to say, yeah, i flip shit and I just, flipped shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. through the
2: book across um, the room started spilling i've done it actually bombs, you like, know
1: in, in all fairness like i've done it when i'm almost 100 percent sure that the character is actually still alive and i think you know, i've mentioned it with Arya as well there's a there's a <laughs> moment in season three um that uh takes place just prior to her arriving at or actually just after her arrival at the uh red wedding um with the hound and so much is left to be found out and so um I, I haven't done it you know with other characters but those two you know it's it's like when it's your favorite character you want to make sure that hey wait do they have a point of view char- uh, chapter like uh uh-huh. a couple hundred pages 150 pages from now because George likes to do that stuff and you never know like when he says and then it went black, or, you know, the person felt the whatever it was. You know, it's like, okay, well, are they still alive, or like, are they not coming back anymore? Like, Ned was, to to work. <laughs> Ned was pretty concrete. Ned was concrete. Wasn't Ned? Conc- Ned was so concrete. Unless Varus switched him out beforehand and he's coming back
0: in the later books. What Who is knows? this, Sherlock? Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly you never right. know. Varus
1: is one crafty eunuch. Yeah, he is, is he's a very crafty, crafty eunuch.
0: So, uh, just wrapping up, uh, listener owns, we have three left. Not we'll Dan H. <laughs> Don't know who this is. Not Dan H. Uh, said, Own goes to Meister Lewin, the Obi Wan Kenobi of A Song of Ice and Fire. That's good. If that's true, I really hope we get some otherworldly, like Ghost Ben, uh, for Meister Lewin. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Leslie Burress says, There is no other way to go. Own for the final chapter of book two is for Meister Lewin, the voice of reason in chaos and devastation. I'll give you that.
2: That's a good we one. All,
0: we all agree that Meister Lewin, uh, went out with a bang very strongly. And Nicole says, "Final alone of a Clash of Kings to summer for the vision of the dragon, quote, whose roar was a river of flame, end quote. Question, can dire wolves see the future? Well, we've we've been envisioning this epic battle when Danny's dragons finally cross, I wanted to say this straight, it's a huge frickin' ocean, um, you know, and get over here that they're going to have the White Walkers to deal with. It makes sense that a dragon may be seen flying over Winterfell at some point, being the main passage to the wall. Not that they need to take the roadways to get up to the wall.
1: You know what I'm saying? They use the air, generally speaking, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it's I've heard funny. about dragons. But,
0: uh, seeing a dragon over Winterfell, I think that that could well, be prophetic.
1: I thought that, uh, you know, there was a couple things there that, that came into my mind. One, one I thought about was, okay, well, it's just a, um you know, sort of a piece of Winterfell that's flying through the air that's been broken and, and busted <laughs> and the other was the comet. Uh, you know, we've we talked about that on the last episode. Would we ever hear about it again? And oh. you know, I thought of the comet when I read that that quote. But uh you know, certainly you you guys brought both brought up dragons and Nicole has as well. And so there could be a very uh very good chance that he could be seeing something that will take place in the future. I love how we're convinced that this will happen, you know, yeah. like
2: that Danny's going to inevitably make it over with her army of freed slaves and people that are just like, she's the real deal, man. We've known people for a while, but she's really nice to us.
1: She's, she's taking a little bit of time. I'm telling you, um, you know, not to uh, put a cramp in anybody's style who's reading these uh, books or but yeah, she watching takes the her show. Time. She's, she's
0: taking her time. Yeah. yeah.
1: Come yeah. on, Danny. Speed things. Well, somebody somebody took her dragons, race. Micah.
0: Do you not realize somebody took her dragons? That's you know not what? Her no mother. one like, took geez.
2: her her damn dragons. All right, <laughs> no one did. She <laughs> misplaced them and caused <laughs> all that shit for no
0: reason. She's not a very good mother. She's um, a great mother. What are you talking about? You she can really misplaced her. her dragons. Come on, man. You know it's hard to keep up with three. <laughs> let's be real here. I mean, okay, deal I, I'm one. sure I would lose a child. I, uh, let's
2: move on to the next one. Where we're d- questioning Danny's mothership. Yeah, okay, skills. okay.
0: Well, let's move on to email here. Uh, Zach, we did get one that uh, we thought was was worth uh, sharing.
2: Here's an email. I'm gonna read it. Here it goes. My own for the last chapter goes to the Stone Lords in the Winterfell Crips for giving Bran courage. He couldn't see them in the darkness, but he knew they were there. It goes on to say, "Congrats on finishing a Clash of Kings." Listening to the podcast three times a week really helps me get through waiting for the next season and waiting for the next book. And from a first-time owner, but long-time listener, Annette, winky face.
1: Thanks, Annette. I'm glad we've gotten to the point where they can say long-time listener. That's weird.
0: Almost 200 apps. Oh, dude. We're old. We're
1: getting old. We're getting up there. Yeah,
2: that's strange. I still want to, like you know, party and make really bad decisions. (laughs) I'm going to keep doing that. I'm I'm pretty
0: sure it's acceptable. Our generation now does that. (laughs) Well, guys, that uh, I think is it. There'll be plenty more discussion to happen uh, regarding the end of this uh, book. But uh, I think for this chapter episode, we should uh, leave things pretty much right here.
1: So those are all the way to uh, contact us, twitter.com slash game of owns. Facebook.com slash Game of Owns and Instagram.com slash Game of Owns. I know a lot of cool stuff going on over there. You can also email us, um, like we just got one from Annette and, uh, you can do that at contact at Game of Uh, the other way that you can get in touch with us is on iTunes by leaving a rate and review. We're now in the month of February. Which, guess what, guys? The best month. It is the best month. (laughs) It really is. It's the shortest one. Uh, So uh, that doesn't, though, um, preclude you from rating it five stars because nothing less than that is acceptable. Uh, Just like TKO763, I'll read his or her review because it's very quick and to the point. They say, I love Goo. This is by far the best podcast ever. Uh, For those of (laughs) us who are biting our nails waiting for season four. This is our Game of Thrones fix. Goo forever. So uh thank you to TKO763. Uh just like him or her, uh you can leave us our feed leave us your feedback. <laughs> wow. Uh Maybe mornings aren't the best.
0: Uh <laughs> Yeah. No, I like well, it. it. It feels it, good. Micah, like you're deprived. You're vitamin goo deficient. You gotta yeah, get some of this.
1: Yeah. Must be. And then of course, uh check out net and leave us some comments over there. Uh, we do go through and read them and we do at times share them on the show as well as hypeable.com. Um, as mentioned on the last show, I did post an article over there from the exhibition, which has its last day actually today, February 1st in New York, but it is headed to other cities around the world. So if you want to read what to expect, um, we'll drop in a link in the show notes. How does that sound?
2: Sounds great. We're going to hyperlink it up and you guys can mouse over or touch it with your fingertips. That's how the internet works.
1: We're looking forward to uh, jumping into a storm of swords. We'll figure out when we're going to do that um, and what lies ahead before season four debuts on April sixth. Yeah, we got a lot of fun things in store. We're working on a lot of uh, different uh, projects and other things. So I think you know, even though the the chapter has closed on this book, um, there's a lot of other exciting stuff ahead. That's for damn sure absolutely
2: and I just want to say uh, on behalf of all of us from the bottom of our hearts uh, we're real people and we really just went through this entire book with all of you and so this is really important you know the second book is finished A Clash of Kings is over that was the final chapter we are preparing for what is to come next and we could not be more thrilled that you listening person you will be hanging out with us the entire time so we say so long and uh other people's names which is uh that's Eric.
0: That was Zach.
1: And I guess that makes me Micah. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well.
0: That There's was the Sam. appearance, right there. There you go. You promised it. It was long foretold. <laughs> we got the quota end. There he was. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that
1: guy. No, you don't.
0: Yeah, I do. Oh, of course I
1: do.
2: I hope it was worth the wait, people. We're we're gonna
1: get back together in 2014, Eric. Make amends.